Egon then asks him about Satanists. Yep, this is where, uh, because I, I'd initially thought, oh, 33 sheep, 33 years, potential blood magic, and then he mentioned Satanists, and I was like, come on! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it now, before the end of dark, someone is going to cast a spell. That's my, that's my firm belief. Welcome to the After Dark Podcast with Anthony James. And Conrad. Episode 3. Past and present. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Hello and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. This is the podcast where me, Anthony James, takes Conrad. Hello. That's him. We take him (laughs) through dark episode by episode. He's never seen it before and we hear his theories, his thoughts, his feelings. Well, Conrad, how's your week been this week? Uh, it's been a great week. Thank you. Uh, I'm doing fantastically. How has yours been? My week has been good. Yeah, up until about half an hour ago. I was, uh, what happened uh, half an hour ago? Oh, I walked into the kitchen uh, where I was finishing up cooking the lasagna for dinner. My wife had been making some pasta for my son. Now, we usually use the front burner on the hob, and I put my finger on it, and it wasn't hot. I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on. So then I touched the back one, and I burnt my fingertip. Textbook. Yeah, textbook. So <laughs> I lit, I literally have uh, a white fingerprint on my left pointer. So that's how I'm feeling at the minute. I've got so it in ice. Burned your, burned your finger t- uh, fingerprints off so you can commit crimes now. Exactly. I can travel through time and commit crimes. Exactly, yeah. It's all, it's all fitting together. Right, before we start, I wanted to say there's a few people who've been commenting on the first episode and the second episode. Actually, I think even on the original announcement as well about the possibility of us putting this podcast up on various audio podcast listening apps, things like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, stuff like that. Um, We are looking into it. We're trying our best. It's a little bit more complicated than just putting it up on YouTube. You have to have RSS feeds and all this sort of thing. So we're new to it. We're going to we're having a look at it and we are trying our best. We, I can promise it will be there at some point, whether that will be in two days, two weeks. I'm not sure. We'll just try our best. Uh, I think it probably would be best for the podcast to be up on something like that. And then you just could all listen to it while you're on a run or in the car. But we're trying our best. Not just yet. I don't think I have anything else to say in the intro this week. I will just remind you that we are taking YouTube comments for uh, Conrad to answer at the end of the episode. There's a fair bit of them this episode, so thank you very much, everyone, for your input. I'm hoping Conrad will see him. I've warned <laughs> Conrad not to. I've warned Conrad not to go into the comment sections of the videos. I skim them. You he skims. I them. skim through. I skim, skim through. Skims through. Uh, now I've said uh, there's no rules on spoilers in the comments. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Uh, I'm not gonna be a dictator about this. Talk about what you want in the comments. They're not my comment section. They're your comment section. So if you want to spoil something, fine. Just you'll have to endure the wrath of the rest of the comments. (laughs) Okay. Um, Obviously, if you want to be a good person and like a real kind soul, you can put a big spoiler tag on. And then if Conrad's looking through them, which I've told him not to, but if he does, everyone's curious, then we can at least uh, negate that. Apart from that, I think we're ready to go. Uh, Yeah, let's do it. One sentence thoughts for this episode. Uh... It, it was it was really good. <laughs> that's my that's my uh, your your um your promise last week about um me uh, enjoying it came true. That's all I'll say for the time being. Uh, great to hear. Right, let's get into it then. Oh, let's break it down. Okay, so the episode opens with Mickle coming into his what he thinks is his house, 
but it's actually his parents and grandparents house uh and there's a rider bar advert on the, oh, the tv which i loved looks delicious uh, it looks absolutely delicious i this is where i wanted to mention uh, something from the last few episodes ago uh conrad on the first episode i said to you does that bar look familiar to you and then you oh. went you went on a sort of a mind journey trying to think about where had someone else been eating that bar who else was eating confectionery do you remember yeah. that? well i actually just meant that it, it's it's what Twix used to be called. Oh, okay. Is what in in the UK as well? Or I'm, I don't. Uh, I'm not sure about the UK, but definitely in Germany. I was going to say they look a bit like a Twix. Lovely yeah. breaded breaded biscuit base. Breaded biscuit base. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Crumbled biscuit base and uh, buttery, buttery biscuit base. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The base, base. Yeah, um, yeah. So I was just trying to allude to the fact that you know the wrapper being in 2019 would maybe allude that it came from the past in some way um because that obviously you wouldn't have known that and you just said you don't know that but anyway that was what that was so Mikkel comes in um yana his grandmother who i'm sure he doesn't realize is his grandmother right now Mm. says uh are you mads where's mads and then because he's a random boy who seems to have walked in he must know where mads is yeah she starts pouring at him Mm -hmm. which is understandable for a grieving mother yeah, yeah, not much more to say about this. I'm sure it freaked freaked Mikkel out. Um, you know, from Yana's perspective, it would be even weirder, maybe. Well, I don't know about if it's weirder. Yeah, or I mean, he he does look uh, a bit like Mads as well. Actually, is something that I I I came to the conclusion of fairly early on in this episode. Uh, I I don't know whether he's actually the same actor who they got to play Mads in the for the photograph with Ulrich, but um, there's definitely a similarity there, which is really good casting. Yeah, it's. You'll come to learn in this show that the casting is absolutely fantastic. I don't think it is the same actor, but he, yeah, I see what you mean now. There is a definitely family resemblance there. Yeah, I would definitely, I could easily believe that they're related. Yeah, of, of course. Uh, so then we get the name of the episode, Past and Present. I wonder what that means. Oh, who, can, who can say? Who can say? Well, you know, it's all a mystery at this point. Uh, moving quickly on, we get a shot of a nurse in a hospital walking down the corridor. She seems to be very nice. She's, she's saying that she'll cover someone's shift. Uh, we get a shot of her name badge. Um, yep. I'm sure you took a note on that. Her name was Enos Carnvald. Yeah. So um, I, I found it interesting that uh, she says she'll take the shift or it's implied that she'll take the shift because she has no family. And then when, it reveals, when it's revealed who she is, it's then it raises question marks about how she has no family, given who it'll later be revealed this woman is. Um, so yeah, I'm curious to find out more about that that whole situation. Okay. Um, do you want to expand any more there, or do you want to leave that to? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, she's she's Michael's mum. Yeah. <laughs> so is Michael adopted and like not part of her family at this point or is he a secret baby uh that's kind of where my where my head was uh on the on my second watch through of this episode actually so it kind of revealed itself to me after after my initial watch through i enjoyed that mystery as well it sort of adds that's every single scene in this in this episode seems to add more mystery and yeah it just compounds it on top of like mystery on top of mystery um it's yeah it's very fascinating the way it just keeps on adding more adding more ingredients to the dark pie yeah to the dark pie <laughs> what a pie it is yeah the back the black forest gateau but um yes. basically uh also what 
what's interesting about it as well is is that this is 1986. We've already had a whole host of setup for characters in 2019. We've had, we've met characters. We find out their motives. We sort of are along the ride with them. All of a sudden now, it's like the whole. It's like this is the pilot again. We're starting again with all these new characters now, with yeah. the knowledge of where they sort of end up in 33 years time. It's yeah, uh, it's, it's super smart, I think, because it, it, it recontextualizes their characters in a really and, and it, it's a it's a great way of giving them backstory. It will literally giving them backstory by showing their their past um, um, in a, a way that like leans into the themes of the of the show. So I was I was very into it as soon as I realized that that's what this episode was doing. Awesome. Um, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna jump the gun maybe a little bit here, and I'm gonna say, do you think that this sort of showing of the past is more akin to like a lost flashback or do you think it's going to be more involved in the main storyline as like you know what i mean is is it is it just a flashback for context or is there actually going to be some involvement in the main storyline uh i i think it's going to be pretty key that's my that's my feeling at the moment i think there's going to be i i think i I was actually trying to think throughout this episode is this going to do a back to the future thing where stuff you do in the past impacts the future or is it more these are kind of separate timelines that are happening kind of simultaneously uh but at different sort of chronologies in the earth's history and i think mm-hmm. it's the latter so i i think it's going to be more i don't think you're going to see someone fading out of the present because something happens to them in the past uh and then they come back because uh they learn to play johnny be good um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen i think it's going to be more people stepping through doorways to other times and and carrying on their adventures there okay cool um so then we get a scene of the police officer, who you'll come to know is called Egon Tiedemann. Um, they also have uh, a newspaper article up on the wall. It's sort of like another one of those detective walls with all the clues up there. Yeah. And it's a missing artic- uh, article of Mads Nielsen. He's yeah. listening to the radio, and the radio says that the police have no leads in the Mads case, and they're asking the public for um, any, any clues. So that's sort of how desperate they are at this point. Yeah. Um, full disclosure on this scene here as well. Uh, it took me to this scene to to fully figure out that um, we were in the 80s. And I did that because uh, he has a Rubik's Cube on his desk, <laughs> which to me is like the sort of the secret handshake of the 80s. Actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, because you wouldn't actually know from scene to scene what's the 80s and what's not unless you have those clues. Yeah, um, definitely. It's like little little kind of visual nods. I thought the the nurses' uniforms looked a bit old fashioned, but I don't actually know what nurses typically wear in Germany, so yeah. I, I wasn't one hundred percent on that. And then then when I saw the Rubik's cube and saw uh, <laughs> the cop listening to the radio, I was like, all right, we're we're definitely in the eighties here. No one listens to the radio. Yeah, the vest underneath the shirt for the cop, definitely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a man who grew up grew up in the, in the thirties. Yeah, um, or twenties maybe. Uh, right. Okay. So. Uh, then we get a scene which was actually one of my favorite scenes of the episode was uh, a woman a woman who will come to know as Claudia Tiedemann um, who is Regina's mother yeah is sort of giving herself a pep talk in the car yeah um, going she's going to something very important it seems it's it will it turns out she's going to her first day as the new head of the power plant yeah um, first time a woman has ever had the job and uh, she says she sort of talking herself through a mantra and she says now i thought this was quite quite on the nose she says the future belongs to the bold not the doubters who are ever who who are forever stuck in the past yeah it feels very poignant that uh that line yeah yeah it's great um and there's there's a whole load of like this they're they're 
just thrown it all the way through the show. These lines that sort of just throwaway lines, but actually they mean a lot in terms yeah. of the whole themes of the show. Also, uh, Regina's mom seems to be very, very hard on her. Um, then again, she is a limp dish rag after all. Yeah, she. Um, I think this is key to mention here as well. She points out that Regina has had fencing lessons, which in uh, the language of cinema dictates that she must then have a sword fight at some point later in the series. <laughs> so looking forward to Regina's sword fight with whoever she ends up dueling. All right, okay. You'll be, I think you'll be waiting a long time for that. Um, <laughs> but we'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll try and accommodate it, right? Um, so we move on then. We get Mickle in uh, the school. Um, he has sort of the, the classic uh, Marty McFly in in the school sort of moment. He sees, yeah. his, he sees his mom. He actually, uh, he says to his mom that he's looking for his mother, which I thought was quite good. Um, and then uh, Hannah's also in the little group with Katarina, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's a nice way to kind of establish their um, their relationship and how how they know each other. And uh, young Katarina is actually uh, quite formidable and terrifying. I find in this scene, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. want to mess with her. Yeah, using using certain superlatives to ex- to describe the principal, uh, which <laughs> yeah. will not repeat in the year twenty twenty. But uh, in nineteen eighty six, I'm sure they were much more prevalent. Um, yeah, and Mickle's just a bit a bit lost at sea, to be honest with you. Uh, Claudia arrives at work after I assume dropping Regina off and uh, she's met at the gates by a fella. Do you happen to know who this fella is? Uh, yeah, so I um, I figured this guy out fairly early on because he looks quite a lot like uh, the actor who plays him in 2019, I think. So I, mm-hmm. I figured this was, is it Helga? Elga? I can't, I'm not sure how you pronounce his Helga. name. Just think of Helga, Helga. Pataki from Hey Arnold. Okay, nice. Perfect. Um, so my first thought with him was, why is he sweeping a concrete road? Because I didn't notice that he was, he was like cleaning some graffiti. Um, but yeah, and then, uh, and then he's a bit overly familiar with, uh, with Claudia. Yeah, like, and like in Hey Arnold, do you think uh, this Helga has a chewing gum statue of Claudia at home in his closet? I would not put it past him, to be honest. He definitely has some of her teeth uh, and, and some hair somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, he gives her a present as well as, which I thought was quite nice. He gives her a present for the first first day of the uh, of the new job. It's a it's a slightly odd present, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the question, the present does throw up question marks. Yeah. Um, we can just skip ahead to that as well. Like we do find out that the present is actually the book HG Townhouse book. Yeah, the um, black hole one. The black hole one. Uh, I can't remember what the, the title of the book is. It's um... a, a journey through time. But you you might have noticed whenever Claudia was holding the book that um, on the reverse side is the picture of the old man who you predicted was called HD Townhouse. Yeah, I was quite pleased with myself for that, to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, maybe, um, maybe Helga was just re-gifting this, <laughs> just trying to get rid of it. <laughs> There's no significance to him giving it to her at all. Well, yeah, it would seem not, wouldn't it? Um, okay, uh, we get 33 dead sheep. Yes, yeah, so... Uh, at the police station scene i'm going to get more into that but um when this scene happened i just shouted octoconia time travel stuff at the screen um (laughs) i want to know i want to know who the man that the the cop is talking to is and also who this priest that he's um he's mentioned is because i don't think we've seen or even heard had mention of a priest in the present no the only mention of sort of a church in any way i suppose was the graveyard that um yana was in the other the last episode but yeah no mention of a priest or anything um yeah so it'll be interesting to meet that character 
Uh, any thoughts on the 33 of the, of the sheep? I, well, so yeah, that, that, this didn't actually, I didn't clock this until my second viewing two scenes later in the police station. But um, the fact that there's 33 years between 86 and 2019 and 33 dead sheep, and this guy's talking about Satanists immediately, immediately made me think of like some kind of blood magic ritual, which I really hope there is in this. <laughs> it doesn't seem like the kind of show that's going to have like necromancy, but you never know. Yeah, you do never know. Uh, um, that'll be fantastic. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just something to keep your eye on. It's also funny. I'm just, uh, I'm actually looking at the picture of that scene right now, and I'll have it on the screen for the podcast as well. I just think it's funny. Like thirty-three dead sheep. The way the sheep are lying with their their legs and their head, they actually look like threes. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So there's, there's absolutely no significance to that whatsoever, <laughs> other than a little chuckle at some dead sheep. Um, right. <laughs> so uh, we get then. Claudia arrives at work. Um, she gets given a huge book, you know, welcome to, welcome to the job, Claudia. Uh, yeah, the, the lady who gives it to her looks like an extra in a Bond movie. She's wearing like a really sort of snappy jumpsuit, which I was quite, I was quite into. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. We're in the police station now and uh, the Rubik's Cube is back. Um, Mikkel is coming into the police station. He's already went to look for his mother at the school. She wasn't there. He, he didn't realize it was actually a different year yet. So then, yeah. he went, then he went over to the police station to look for his dad in his place of work. And then Egon, uh, the policeman, is completely flabbergasted by the idea that Ulrich Nielsen would be a police officer. Oh, um, yeah. Well, that would never happen. That would, that would never happen. Not, uh, not, not in his town. Yeah, not, not in his one-horse town. But, um, yeah, so... And then uh, Mikkel goes and sits... Or, or I think Egon's called away. Uh, uh, then, he goes away to get a nurse, I think. Yeah, he basically goes... Yeah. Because um, well, he he actually also confirms to Mickle that it is 1986 after all. Yeah, so that was uh, just as a little aside. I thought I was really impressed with that that how that line um, or how that little interaction characterizes Mickle as incredibly switched on. That he's literally been in the 80s for what like 10 hours, yeah, maybe, and he's already he's already just figured out and accepted that he's traveled back in time. Which I I think it would take me probably about a decade. To, to really cotton onto it he's a smart kid well he is a magician after all that it yeah that's true he he knows how to sort of weave the fabric of time and space yeah exactly. to his own whims yeah and we already know that he can do visual effects in post from the first episode <laughs> yeah. so he's pretty good um he also is a really good solver of a rubik's cube apparently which i oh, think does he solve it i didn't see that whenever egon's away getting a nurse and mickle is in the police uh office by himself he actually solves the Rubik's Cube. The scene opens up with him solving it. Oh, I, I didn't notice that. That's great. Yeah, and I just thought to myself, it really, like back in, back in 1986, the idea of a, a little like 11-year-old kid being able to solve a Rubik's Cube probably was really few and far between. But, oh, yeah, like he would be immediately put on television yeah, with that skill. Ripley's Believe It or Not. But he has actually come from 2019 and he's literally probably just looked up on the internet and learned those like 27 <laughs> yeah. steps or whatever. Yeah, he watched a YouTube video on it. Yeah, it definitely fits the character because if he's he's looking up how to do magic tricks, you'd imagine he's also the kind of kid who want to be able to solve a Rubik's cube. Yeah. Uh, so he then tries to call what I assume is a mobile or home number. He tries to call someone anyway. Yeah, line not not there. Um, this this uh, just to just to uh, hone in on that as well. That uh, bit struck me as wildly unrealistic that a child from 2019 can remember a phone number by heart. <laughs> because if you uh, you could hold a gun to my head and say 
tell me a single person in your life's phone number and I could not do it now. So that's funny. I, I've got my, I know mine. I know my wife and I know my mom. That's the only three I know. Ah, oh, look at you. I got, I've got nothing. I could maybe get my home number, my, my mom's number, but that's, that's it. Yeah. It's uh, it is. Yeah, that's I never even thought of that. You're exactly right. Um, no, I mean to be honest, I'm only joking. But it's uh, it just it made me laugh when I was like, oh, he just knows this mobile number. Maybe I mean maybe this is further confirming that Mikkel is a genius. That he just has all these numbers yeah, yeah. in his in his memory banks, just ready to go. Yeah, they're all just like flowing through. He's got like a rolodex in there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So I'm gonna. Uh, so then uh, we'll just say that then Enos. Enos Carnvald, the nurse, comes and takes him away to the hospital. I don't really have anything else to say about that at the minute. Yeah. Um, but I'm just going to go back to a scene that I've sort of skipped. And that's the scene where Tronta, a young Tronta with a really great mustache. Yeah, fantastic facial hair. He, um, he is a journalist and he comes to uh, interview Claudia on her first day. Uh, he makes There's a few things to note in this scene. The first thing is, uh, before we get into sort of the relationship between the two, um, the first thing I wanted to note is the fact that he says, uh, first female, uh, head of the power plant that's progressive, even for the eighties. <laughs> oh, uh, I didn't notice him saying that. That's a weird thing to say. Yeah. So there's sort of, there's been three or four times in this episode that they've mentioned that she's the first one. She's the yeah. first female to be the head. So it seems like it's a, it's an important uh, thing they're throwing around. It also just might, it also is just great character building for this character. Like she's, you know, she is the first one. She's trailblazer. Yeah, she's kind of fought her way to the top, and that mm-hmm. like she's a very combative character. Uh, and you know, that's just further emphasizing that. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, uh, in that scene, I wanted to note, uh, like father, like son. Oh yeah, I did, yeah, I've got that exact same thing down. Yeah. Awful, absolutely awful, and it makes the comments I accidentally made about bushes in the last episode a bit, yeah. more, <laughs> a bit more relevant here. But I mean, um, at least Ulrich, at least uh, Katarina wasn't grieving initially when Ulrich started uh, messing around with Hannah. Like, Trance has got no excuse here. He's just, he's just being a bit of a, a bit of a twat. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and he did not age well. Also, that's that's one of the things that one of the big takeaways I had from this episode was Trance and Yana look like they aged about fifty years <laughs> since nineteen eighty six. Like that man is in his late seventies. Yeah, like I mean the. Um... Well, def- definitely the the, miss- the 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 fact that their son went missing has a big effect on them. Yeah, yeah, that, um, that'll age you. That'll age you definitely. Right, so uh, let's move on then to one of the funniest, or I don't know why, maybe it's a bit sadistic to call it funny, but I thought it was a funny scene whenever Egon comes in on a young Ulrich playing Atari. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and what he's a hellraiser. Like, he's got like the no future on the wall. He's listening yeah. to my only my only aim is to take many lives. The more the better I feel. So I uh, I had to l- l- type in uh, this band's name because they're called Tabula Smaragdino, which I, I I wanted to see if they were a real band or not. And then <laughs> I ended up going down a Wikipedia hole because apparently the Tabula Smaragdina is like a hermetic text to do with like alchemy in the Middle Ages. So I don't know if it's a real band, but that's what that means. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know if that has anything to do with Dark or whether it was just a weird Wikipedia hole that I went down as a result of watching this. Well, that's that's really cool. Uh, like it sort of that ties a little bit in, I suppose, to the fact that there's a sheep's foot. Yes, that w- yeah, but that's uh, I-, I felt like Ulrich's response to um, what, what's this guy's name? Egon. Egon. Yeah. Egon. Uh, Egon questioning why he had a hoof. Ulrich was very blasé about that, <laughs> which to me 
it's still suspicious as hell for a 16 year old to just have a hoof but you know i don't live in rural germany i guess <laughs> yeah well I, I loved when egon held it up and went what's this and all of it goes <laughs> a hoof that's obvious yeah yeah <laughs> got him nice one all right yeah, and then well, then as soon as like uh, Yana comes in the room, did you notice that Auric snatches the hoof really quickly off him? Like, oh, I didn't it, notice that actually. Yeah, it's so funny. He grabs it off him, and he's like, he's like, sort of like, my precious. You know, he doesn't want to yeah. give, he doesn't want to <laughs> give it away. That's where his drugs are. That's his, yeah, exactly. Um, now I, I might be just actually thinking of a future scene, but I'm pretty sure in this scene as well we did get a shot of like a a shelf with all of the toys that were in Mads' box. Yeah, it's. I think it's behind um, behind um, Yana as she op- uh, walks in. Like, it's kind of by the door, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm pretty sure you do see them. Yeah, and uh, if someone who is from Germany or speaks German could tell us the meaning of the ch- crossing out of the N- ND on the Winden sign and putting an X there, Vixen, that would be, be pretty cool to find out exactly what that means i mean vixen yeah, I vixen in english is a female fox but i don't know if that's what he what he's doing there so it'd be cool to know what that means if someone could let yeah, us know that'd be awesome um did you notice uh these sort of tape or stickers on the wall said something oh what the no future yeah. uh graffiti he's kind of done himself in there to be honest like it, it, he's not even tried to hide the fact that it was him who did it outside the plant really yeah and actually in in uh at the very end of the last episode, he was wearing a uh, denim jacket, I believe. Was it denim or leather? It was either one of those. I think it was denim. Yeah, and on the back it said no future as well. So he's literally walking around with his tag on his back. Yeah, his Elbato just uh, yeah. <laughs> advertised for the world to see. Exactly. Uh, right, we get a bit more development in the fudging of the numbers story with uh, Claudia. And she's sort of talking to Bernd Doppler, who, again, as ah. you say, yeah, What's wrong? Okay. No, I just I like I was wondering who. So I thought this guy was Helga's dad because he has pictures yeah. of, with with him. Well, Helga's name is Helga Doppler. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, yeah. Of course. Right. I'm with you because Charlotte is Charlotte Doppler as well. Fine. Yeah. Because I, Charlotte is married. To, all, yeah. I've forgotten they're all related. Um. Yeah. That's fine. Ca- sorry. Carry on. Yeah. So Bernd Doppler. Yeah, yeah. He's putting away the pictures. He's got pictures of Helga. Obviously, we get a picture of Helga as a child as well. Um, and he just as again, family photos being forced through is a, very important in this show. Put them away. He's packing up. Claudia comes in and starts questioning him. Yeah. <laughs> She's the new head of the power plant. And what is he just going to not tell her about this thing forever? Yeah, just let her figure it out herself. Let, yeah. let her get her feet under a table. She'll, she'll look at the numbers eventually and realize that we're burying millions of tons of something yeah. in caves. Exactly. So like for some reason, he wasn't going to tell her. And then he decides, okay, I will, because she sort of she does a good job of convincing him. Yeah. And then, then he takes her into the middle of the forest. She she very skillfully repels. Oh my god, him. I couldn't believe it! Like she repels in high heels. It's <laughs> it's phenomenal that she manages to do it in that outfit. Honestly, this character, oh, this, she's she can do everything. <laughs> and and to be honest, what's this guy's name? Burnt? Did you say? Burnt? Burnt yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he's going to wheel himself back across a forest floor in a wheelchair, which is no mean feat either. So like, they're just—they're a bunch of genetic freaks in, well, in yeah. Windick, really. They, they, well, they've been working in the nuclear power plant for who knows how long. That's true. Yeah, they've got those mutant muscles. Yeah, they're basically the, the yeah the Hulk at this point. But uh, yeah. how's she going to get back up? I want to know. Are they just going to oh, like attach yeah. to Burnt? He's got a little motor in his thing, and he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll motor her back up with a little yeah. gyro. Um, yeah. 
but uh, no, so that's it just to go back briefly to that the, the first conversation between uh, mm-hmm. claudia and burnt that is a great scene i was it's infuriating because i they don't ever say what they're hiding or even what claudia is looking at and seeing discrepancies in it's just kind of like i think even when she's handed the file the the woman who hands it to her just says mm-hmm. here are the numbers for 1985 against 1986 so it doesn't tell you anything but it's it's brilliant for um just posing more questions than it answers and, yeah. and throwing out little hooks um and i also found it really funny that helga obviously got his job through nepotism but he's so incompetent that he couldn't rise above sweeping <laughs> graffiti off the floor <laughs> like he's the boss's son and he's like a janitor essentially i know and like and even in his older age he seems to have lost it even more just wandering around in the forest yeah. in his pajamas like how bad do you have to be at your job that that even with your dad as like the guy running the place you can't ascend beyond this oh geez that's hilarious uh so um yeah so we've do you have any idea of what maybe now actually i wanted to address here last episode I don't, no one picked up on it no one commented about it i accidentally gave away that what what was uh going into the back of the truck were barrels into the truck yeah i said barrels and it's something that conrad and i talked about afterwards um i accidentally gave away something I probably have given away a lot of things, but that's the first thing I've noticed I've give, give away. Uh, so we know through my own fault that these barrels are what Alexander is moving. Now, it's only going to be a couple episodes before we find that out for sure. But yeah. this is a big allusion to it, really, isn't it? Um, so what do you think is in these barrels? I, to be honest, I don't really have any idea at the moment. I mean, my, my initial suspicion was that it is just nuclear waste. And they've been building it up over and over time, and they're try- in in the present. Alexandra is doing something to try and dispose of it, but I I don't I I wonder if there's um because they mentioned Chernobyl in this episode, and that's mm-hmm. obviously quite famous as an example of a um a nuclear plant that didn't um pass its safety inspections before it opened. Um, I wonder whether they're going to mirror that with how this nuclear plant runs and it's it's kind of not operating safely or it's it's not operating mm-hmm. within the guidelines for nuclear uh, power stations in Europe or something like that. Um, so I guess it's nuclear waste at the moment, but I, I'm kind of hoping it's, it's more than that. Okay, cool. Um, okay, then uh, because Claudia is out spelunking, we get a scene of Regina getting home by herself. She, this seems to be a common occurrence because she knows exactly to go over to the answer machine and press a button for her mother to send, leave her a message. Um, yeah. So it seems to be very common. It also alludes to the idea that there isn't a father in her life, um, at least not living with them anyway, or maybe, maybe he's just, I don't know, works 24 hours a day. Well, uh, I, I thought um, Egon, he's a Tiedemann as well, right? Because they call him Officer Tiedemann, I think. Yes, and they actually mention in a particular scene that uh, Claudia is his daughter. Ah, okay, I didn't catch that. I th- I I'd assumed that he was her dad, uh, he was Regina's dad, but estranged from the family or something like that. Yeah, so... Um, I suppose he's a bit old for Claudia. He's a, yeah, he's a bit old. He's, what is he, like 30, 40 years older than her? Yeah. But, uh, oh yeah, stranger things have happened. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, so uh, also it's revealed that Regina has actually been cutting herself. Yes, yes, so she's got scars on her arm. Yeah. Which oh, is, I, I, I just, yeah, sorry. I just like, it's, it's a, I, you have to be careful, I think, with, with how you kind of use suicide or, uh, or suicide attempts as a way of characterizing someone, just because it yeah. can sometimes be a bit lazy to be like, oh, they've tried to kill themselves, and that mm-hmm. makes them sympathetic. 
uh, in and of itself, which I don't think is the case. But it definitely does. It's just a little, you know, morsel that's thrown out there for Regina's character to say she didn't actually have a very good upbringing, and that's maybe why um, she, or that's maybe contributed to why she is the way she is in the present. Um, and it's also, again, talking about the casting. Um, that this uh, scene at the Tiedemanns was where I figured out that that was Regina, and I couldn't believe how much. Uh, Claudia looks like present Regina so again just like phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, phenomenal casting and it, it really does a good job of also um, kind of suggesting that Regina is turning into her mother in some way which yeah, maybe yeah. explains further why she is the way she is yeah that's interesting um, yeah and in, in terms of the suicide uh, attempts being used to characterize someone I agree with you in this case, however, and you'll you'll find me fighting the corner of dark every episode. You, this you'll you'll find you'll find me like defending dark no matter what. But um, I do feel like because it isn't the first thing we've learned about the character, it is actually background to a character we know in her adult form. Mm. I think, as you say, it, it gives depth there. Maybe they could have done that in a more sort of a, a less tropey way, maybe. But uh, but I think it definitely sort of it works. It's and it's a very small allusion to it, and it's sort of just tells yeah. you, what you need to know. It's not, I don't think in Dark's case, I don't think it's particularly heavy handed. Um, so I don't really have a problem with it. It's, yeah. it's just like my gut reaction is always sort of skepticism when, when it's used, just because uh, I always sort of stop and think, could you achieve this without having to, to like leverage something so heavy? But I think in this case, it just, you know, it, it, we kind of already suspect it because of the mm-hmm. way that her relationship with Claudia has been in this episode. Certainly suspect she's not happy. Um, and then that just fully, fully compounds it. I think you know, in a way that works for me. Yeah, yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly with you. Uh, okay, so speaking of keen ornithologists, <laughs> God, we get one in earnest in this episode. Uh, the next two, the next two scenes are so dumb, <laughs> not in a good way, but just <laughs> like Charlotte is a bird weirdo. Is all I'm going to say about this episode. That's yeah. that's like don't put them in the freezer with the food and then officer Tiedemann going into the woods to, like what is it about people in this town going into the woods at night yeah it's I know. Just, such a bad idea so we get uh so yeah so charlotte's sketching the birds she's keeping the birds she really does actually seem to be a, an ornithologist of time yeah it, may, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem nefe- it doesn't seem perverse but it's still a bit weird yeah like it's it seems like one thing i will say it seems like a slightly weirder teenage slightly weirder teenage life that i thought charlotte would have you know what i mean like she she, it's it's sort of it it implies that she should have maybe been the one who ended up sweeping the floor yeah (laughs) or maybe she she... could have ended up being a scientist but actually she's the chief of police well i suppose it gives an attention to detail which is yeah she's she's got that kind of neurotic attention to detail which i could see being useful for a detective yeah definitely but um it's it it definitely caught me by surprise a bit with her just because we haven't seen that much characterization uh, for Charlotte up until this mm-hmm. point in the series, and then it's suddenly like, oh yeah, she was into drawing dead birds and putting them in the f- in the freezer with the frozen pieces. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm sure her parents are not happy about. No, I know, I'm sure not. Uh, right, so then I uh, one of the funniest characters of the whole series for me is the uh... now. Oh, before I go into this, the YouTube comments have told us coroner coroner you Medi- there you go medical examiner there you go i knew it pathologist we, oh. we were gonna get there eventually we were gonna get there eventually so but now it's also it's now we're sort of in the same boat again because this guy's cutting up a sheep so 
is he a is he a coroner or is he a pathologist or a medical examiner or is he the animal equivalent? Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe he's just like a farmer who's put on a put on a, an overall to to cut up some sheep. See if he can get some good mutton off the bone. Uh, the, the, the key to good mutton is uh, grains in the ear being where they should. Yeah, that's crucial. Absolutely crucial. So that that sheep is ruined. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think this character was hilarious. Like he's sort of going on about, this is where he mentions Egon's relations, talking about well done to your daughter. Egon then asks him about Satanists. Yeah, this is where, uh, because I, I'd initially thought, oh, 33 sheep, 33 years, potential blood magic. And then he mentioned Satanists and I was like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, going there. I'm calling it now. Before the end of dark, someone is going to cast a spell. That's my, that's my firm belief. <laughs> Regina's going to have a sword fight and someone is going to cast a spell. Yeah. This character as well, it's, this is a really good example of like an actor just making the most of his time. Yeah, just hamming it up. It was great. He mentioned yeah, the, Freddy Krueger as well, yeah. which I appreciated. The glasses were doing most of the work. But he, <laughs> but, but he, uh, he was looking in the eardrums. He sees that the, 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 the grains aren't where they should be or whatever they're explaining. And then he like looks up and sort of like looks wistfully into the sky. You think he's thinking deeply about something. Yeah. And then he's like, you're coming to dinner later on? My, my wife's making Yugoslavian meatballs. Yeah, you want some Yugoslavian meatballs? <laughs> but, oh, man. Uh, well, apparently, apparently they're fa- famous Yugoslavian meatballs. Yeah, famous in Wyndon. So, yeah. you know, famous amongst like 100 people. Yeah, exactly. 100 people who drive 30,000 cars. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, we get then. Now, I've skipped over a scene in the hospital already because I think it's not much point of mentioning it twice. Mikkel is in the hospital with Enos. Uh, she's tending to him as the nurse does. Um, Mikkel then says, just comes out and says to her, I come from the future. Normally, if someone announces that they've traveled back in time, I would normally expect someone to respond with incredulity or think it's a joke or something yeah. like that. Whereas Enos seems quite serious in her response to that, like as almost, almost as if she believes him. Yeah. I, I noticed the same thing. I think, um, even yeah, and even if she doesn't believe him, she she knows that this little boy has gone through a lot, and that she he needs to be just listened to, maybe. Yeah, it could just be uh, that she's very sort of empathetic and sympathetic to him as well, mm-hmm. um, rather than her being a conspiracy theorist or like into the idea <laughs> of time travel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. And then we get another barrage of lots of happenings within Winden, which happened in the last few episodes as well. The lights go on and off. We get. Uh, a load of birds fall out of the sky. Yeah, so this is where Egon is uh, running around the woods at night um, for some reason. And uh, yeah, then he starts getting hit by birds. He wants and the, no- to go the and, noise seems yeah. to come from above him as well, which I found interesting. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I, well, because well, he looked above him. Yeah, yeah. So when, the, when he heard the noise, he looked up, which seemed interesting to be at odds with what i was suggesting in the previous episode which is that the nuclear power plant is on top of some kind of machine although to be honest that that theory kind of had some holes blown in it by this episode in general because uh i um had assumed that the the um the nuclear power plant like was built and then they discovered the the thing underneath it that they were using to send people back in time or whatever um which if it was already there in the 80s it's i don't know like i'm 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 already beginning to pick holes in my own theory there yeah no and that, that, and that will happen <laughs> you'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll have to revise that theory multiple times i'm sure um but yeah so the birds are falling down someone did comment on the last uh episode of the podcast 
they said, uh, um, why are there so many birds in Wyndon? You know? Oh, like, yeah, I mean, to be honest, yeah, we haven't seen any sheep in the present, so it's, it's safe to assume that they've all been killed off at this point because of because of whatever's murdering them to send people back in time, and the birds are going to be next on the list, I think. Like, there was a lot of birds falling out of the sky. Um, yeah. I, I sort of imagined that Egon was just the most unlucky man in the world because it was like just like a, a flock of birds flying over his head when they yeah. all when they all died or whatever. Yeah. Um, so Mikkel, Mikkel escapes, just uh, jumps out the window and runs through the forest. Um, yep. We can talk a bit more about that in a minute because after the montage, we sort of see where he's going. Yeah. Um, but then we also get uh, a little scene with uh, Hannah and Ulrich at the bus stop. Yep, just being very anarchic, talking mm-hmm. about how they want Wyndon to not exist anymore, which seems, seems unfair. But, you know, they both want to get out of this town, I, I think. Yeah, and we and we know that they don't. So it's yeah. sort of they're stuck in Wyndon for whatever reason, or they just never left, or maybe they're just you know being teenagers talking negatively about everything for no reason. You know. So yeah, um, and I, I sorry, I, I I suspect that there's themes at work here. So obviously you've got like the time travel stuff that is kind of the core plot mechanic so far in the series but you've also i think got the theme of the past present and future all just being illusions as is kind of alluded to at the beginning of the first episode and i think mm-hmm. that's playing out in in their kind of career paths and family paths where they they have all these grand ideas about getting out of wind and doing something with their lives in in their past but they never actually do it so their their, their present or future from this perspective is exactly the same as as their uh, as their past so it's kind of an interesting way of mirroring uh the time travel plot device with the sort of themes in the in the characterization yeah that's great um yeah that's fantastic more of that please conrad uh <laughs> yeah so uh yeah the, the as i said i think i said in the first episode when we first met hannah and Ulrich, i said this is an interesting relationship which is going to develop as we go through you're starting to see a little bit what i what, what i mean there so hannah and Ulrich sort of knew each other from very early on and also katarina was on the on the scene as well so there's almost like a triangle emerging that has been yeah. around for decades um and, and and yet we 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 know that only by the time they're sort of near near 50 is when katarina finally finds the hair on uh, on the jumper so yeah. we don't know we don't know when the affair started uh we we you know we don't know we have no we, as of yet we don't know when but Definitely, Hannah has been a, has been a constant in the life of these characters anyway. From that point, which is interesting. Yeah, and quite quite poignant as well that Michael isn't. I think. Um, yes. Like I don't know. I, I still don't know how that's going to rectify itself or how that's going to be revealed. But yeah, I think it's it's very telling that, as you say, Katarina, Ulrich, and Hannah have known each other for a long, long time, and apparently Michael didn't know any of them. Yeah, and that also sort of alludes to remember whenever Jonas asked his mom, "Did you love dad?" and she didn't answer because the lights started flickering. Yeah. So maybe you know Ulrich has been there. She's been with Ulrich from this young age as friends. You know, there might have been something there in her own mind since then. So maybe she was yeah. never able, fully able to fall in love with the father. All this sort of stuff going on. Uh, okay, then we get what the moment I said in the last episode would make you a fan of this show forever, and that was yep. the. Big montage at the end of episode three where it reveals who is who. What did you think of it? Uh, I thought it was it was a really, really smart way to... Um, well, it doesn't really wrap up the episode, but it, 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 it 
it's similar to the montage in the last episode which i think you actually said um when we were briefly talking about this last week that it's it's sort of a chance to breathe a chance to take everything in and it confirms suspicions that you have about who is who and 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 lets you know what these characters are doing i thought the use of split screen uh was really really clever i love the presentation and the way it was edited mm-hmm. song choice was very good and it even had a couple of little reveals about uh the characters so regina it's implied has breast cancer by the look yes. of things in uh-huh. the present mm-hmm. um and also the fact that you didn't get the split screen for claudia uh implies that she's dead um and it's not a case of us just having not met her i i would assume or mm-hmm. we didn't I, maybe that's wrong but that was how i read that yeah um and uh and yana and tronto both aging like 60 years since since 1986 <laughs> um i the, the 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 bit but yeah it was it was an amazing montage i really enjoyed it um and the uh the the big bits the the big takeaways for me were enos being revealed to be who she was mm-hmm. uh and the, the tree book coming back because i honestly didn't see that coming at all i didn't actually did we find out her name was enos in the first episode i can't remember it might have been mentioned, but it wouldn't have been mentioned in a scene with her. So it, it might have been very easily missed. Yeah. So I, I didn't clock that, that, or I didn't know that that's who that turned into until my second viewing of this. But, but yeah, the reveal of her really, I, I love the characterization of her because she comes across as a really nice, genuine person, which in any kind of thing pulling from 80s horror means something awful is going to happen to her at some point. Um, and uh, Helga giving uh, Claudia the book on the black hole theory, which confirmed the HD Tannhouse theory i had which i was very very pleased about yeah so you've already hit on one of your little theories you had about who hg townhouse was which you know so no matter what else you get wrong or right you can always know you got one thing i can cling to that i've got that one on the board yeah one on the board exactly um the the thing actually which i didn't do i i wanted to go back but um the tree box i'm trying to remember when she took the letter out of the tree box in the first episode there was other stuff in it and i want to i really wanted to go back to the first episode and check to see if it was the copies of that captain future comic book she gave to mickle um in the hospital um i didn't check that but i wonder if that's what she had in that tree box because it it seems she seems very sentimentally attached to Mikkel, uh, and I wonder if that's why. Um, and speaking of books, I also wonder if the uh, copy of that Black Hole Theory book that Claudia was given is the same one that Future Mikkel, who I will continue to refer to as Future <laughs> Mikkel until, until I'm proven wrong, uh, now has, because I, I want to know the story of how that book came into his possession. Yeah, um, all, good, all good observations. Uh, the there will be a number of objects throughout the show, which you will question in the same way. Uh, okay, cool. And as, and then the, I said, I'd come back to it. And it was Mikkel escaping from the hospital. Um, I say escaping. He wasn't a prisoner, but you know what I mean? Um, so he gets to the caves, he goes in, in deep into the caves and starts yelling, uh, you know, for help at the same time. Well, I say the same time. It's actually 33 years different. Uh, Ulrich is in the caves and, yeah. they are, and they are both sort of screaming for each other and they hear each other, which is important. Yeah, so I I was not sure whether this was just clever editing designed to imply that or whether they are actually hearing each other. But this is such... Talking about the last episode, that how the final, the final third of that episode really ramps up with just a bunch of reveals which make you want to watch, watch on. This mm. was that for me. Again, it was such a great scene. Um, and, you know, Mikkel 
going into the I, I really like Mickle as a character you know he's yeah. like in, he's intelligent and he's clearly very brave because he's just going into a spooky cave with a lighter which is 100% going to go out or fall out of his hand when he falls over because yeah, that's yeah. what happens in dark caves but he's, <laughs> and he still just goes in bangs up his leg and then, and then yeah the reveal that he can he can hear um he can hear Ulrich and and Ulrich can hear him and the the use of split screen when they emerge out of the cave was just it was so well presented and it's yeah I want Ulrich to get through that door god damn it I like he was desperate to get through and I just want someone to bring some dynamite down there and blow it open <laughs> yeah uh it's out of use out of use uh yeah <laughs> yeah I agree that that split screen is is absolutely fantastic and it's sort of it's sort of really really puts in into place the idea of how time works in this show yeah so as you were saying it's not it's maybe not like the back of the future style because it seems that whenever they wherever they are all these timelines are sort of running coherent uh, concurrently together yeah absolutely yeah and and mickle is sort of because he knew that it was the 5th of november but he didn't know what year it was yeah. so so it, it does matter it, it sort of everything's happening at the same time but just parallel to each other yeah, and I think that's important because it it made me think of um, the wider uh, plot device of getting Mickle back to his correct time. Mm-hmm. Whether it's it's not going to be a sort of butterfly effect thing of like, oh no, he you know kissed his mum or something. So yeah, yeah. Th- thirty three years in the future, his dad's a successful author. Like, I don't think that's <laughs> that kind of stuff is going to happen. Well, the grease has this. come out of his hair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's learned to be cool, and he he like. <laughs> drinks milkshakes that are slid across bars to him and stuff um <laughs> when is Ulrich gonna beat up biff tannen uh, <laughs> it's i don't think it's gonna be that kind of thing which is is fine because I, I don't mind that uh, but it makes it a lot more a, a lot more fluid in what can happen because mm-hmm. it doesn't means the re- that I, I don't think the whole show is going to take place in the 80s um which was my initial thought once or uh, once mickle went back in time that a bunch of other kids were were going to go back in time as well and it was going to be kind of a a a romp through the 80s but uh, i think it's going to be more as you say things running concurrently which is way more fluid and way more interesting yeah excellent yeah so uh we'll see how we get on but uh we're almost at the end of this episode uh the next thing that happens is we get uh who i'm just going to say is hg townhouse i'm sure you realized yeah um, and he is tinkering away at the apparatus that we saw the stranger man with in the last episode. Lo- loves a clock, does HG Townhouse. Loves a clock. <laughs> yeah. It was really reminiscent of uh, Back to the Future, I thought, you know, like all Doc- Dr. Emmett Brown's clocks. Yeah, Doc Brown. Yeah, he's going to sell them to the Libyans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's. I think. I mean, you you alluded to it in the previous episode, but the the design on this thing is really baroque with kind of the brass work and the the engravings on it that really don't seem to add anything to the functionality of the device, but which mm-hmm. make the design look fantastic. It's 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 very actually. I think that one of the comments I did see um, was talking about how HG Townhouse was probably a reference to HG Wells, which yes. I totally totally missed. And this has a very kind of like steampunky. Um, uh, kind of look to it which would I mean, it, it, the time machine isn't isn't quite steampunk but the yeah. the way the time machine is described is kind of gears and ticking clocks and that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff yeah. And, and and this feels very much like an homage to that but it's yeah it's a great really well designed prop and again i want to know how the guy in the future who is future mickle uh <laughs> got got his hands on uh got his hands on it i think i, I love the sound of it as well it was like yeah you know um 
and it was a great way to end the episode. Like they, they really knew how to end an episode, just really wanting you to say, what the hell was that? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it was just like, come on, guys. I just need, I need to know that Auric gets through that door and I want him to yeah, stumble into the 80s and suddenly Don't You Forget About Me is playing or, like, in the background. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Conrad, do you have a sort of a small summary of the episode? Did you like it? Did you not like it? What do you think? Yeah, I, I thought it was a really, really good episode. Really fantastically paced. A lot of great reveals. I love Mikkel as a character. Um, I love uh, Katarina as well. Like she's terrifying, and Claudia <laughs> is very is gets a lot of good uh, good stuff to work with. I and I spent most of this episode just furiously shouting that I wanted Mikkel to say what had actually happened to him. That was the one. That my one big takeaway from this is like, how the hell did you go back in time, Mikkel? Like, did someone grab you and drag you into the cave? Did you know did you stumble did you just black out and end up here so i I can't wait for that to be or hopefully it's answered but uh, yeah that's what i'm waiting for an answer for at the moment yeah that's yeah that's probably one of the biggest mysteries at the minute because it's probably one of the only things where you can't really sort of allude you can't really build your own head cannon with at the minute because it's really is just a it's a hundred percent mystery at the minute we know there's something to do with the door but we, we have no idea what's going on like even if that door's important who, who knows yeah and he, he'd been roughed up a bit so but i would expect a kid who'd been literally physically abducted by someone to to be more vocal about the fact that some stranger had you know knocked him around and dragged him into the 80s yeah <laughs> so i exactly. don't know what happened but the, the hook at the end with Ulrich and mickle is that is that's that's such such a great hook for the next episode when they figure out they can hear each other yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, right, IMDb, IMDb rating for this episode was actually 8.7. Oh, wow. Rocketed up. Rocketed up. So for the first was 8.3. Second was 8.2, which we agreed was actually a bit low because it should have been higher. And then the IMDb rating for this one, 8.7. So I think people are sort of... I think what ha- is happening with these IMDb, IMDb ratings for this uh, show, because people are binging it and then going back to rate them, I think actually maybe people are just rating them on what the end of the episode is. Yeah, I mean that I think that's true of a lot of a lot of people and how they watch things. Like as long as yeah. the last 15 minutes are good, they can forgive everything that happened before it. Yeah, yeah, probably. So w- would you agree with that? It's, it's a- um I think that's about right. Yeah, I I actually think the second episode is slightly better than this hmm. just in terms of um because you kind of pointed it out earlier this is almost like another pilot because you're meeting mm-hmm. all these characters again and one of the one of the, the features of a pilot is you can't get too deep into any one person because you're kind of having to do the rounds and say here's the, here are all these people um which is not really a flaw of the episode but it just means that it does limit how deep you can get into any one storyline i still thought it was fantastic but i think the second episode and this should probably have about the same rating uh, if if not very slightly higher for the second episode yeah, fantastic. I think I would agree with you. What the dub? As I've mentioned the first two weeks, I am doing the dubbed version. Um, I don't know what I did to deserve this, but uh, I made the, <laughs> I made the decision. Um, now I explained to Connor before we just went before we uh, started recording. I'm really getting tired of this dub. I I, <laughs> I just I just find myself just. Whenever Egon, because obviously we haven't really we haven't seen Egon yet in the first two episodes, and one, once Egon came on the screen and he started talking in an American accent, I just I I really missed Egon's voice, and I did, he has such a uh, an interesting voice. It really fits his his character, and it just it just really took a lot out of it for me. 
I'm going to continue with the dub because I'll, I'm sure I'll find some more funny stuff, but it, it's starting to grate on me. You need to know that. So <laughs> um, with this week's What the Dub, I focused on a couple of things. There was nothing really standing out as really hilarious to me. So in order just to not miss a week with What the Dub, I thought I would just say something about it. So all I'm going to say is that it's really weird how some of the characters' names aren't pronounced correctly. Um, and it's not even like the whole uh, Jonas Jonas thing we were talking about where like it's, it is just depends what your accent is, where you're from. It actually is stuff like the name Tronta, right? <laughs> they say Tronty. <laughs> Tronty. Good old, good old Tronty. Yeah, good old Tronty. Like, it's like a, like a, a 1920s prohibition era nickname for a gangster. Yeah. Give a job to Tronty, he'll sign you out. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, Cla- Claudia and Tronta must not be that close. She's calling him Tronty. You yeah. know? So Tronty, that was one weird thing. Another weird thing is no one seems to, like the whole town of Wyndon can't agree on how to pronounce the name Tiedemann. So the receptionist called uh, Claudia Mrs. Tedeman. Okay, that's completely wrong, I think. Yeah, Egon calls himself Tideman. Yeah, Tideman would be the other one that I could potentially understand. Yeah, but they can't, they can't agree. Like, Tedeman this... is definitely wrong. Like, there's an I in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mrs. Tedeman. Yeah, no, that's incorrect. But the fact that there was two different, like Tronti, as crazy as that sounds, you could accept it because they all call him Tronti. Yeah, as long as it's consistent, that's at least, uh, even if it's consistently wrong. Yeah, this is the same episode. Surely they have the same person standing there with them while they're recording the line. Yeah. <laughs> they just send one of them off with like a B unit and they're like, I, I don't know how to pronounce any of this. So we're just going to have to take our best guess at it. Tronti yeah. and, and Tedeman. Uh, exactly. Uh, I would, you know, I think what would improve the dub? Gone. And I don't think it'll ever happen. But I think if the directors of the show actually cared what the dub sounded like, like <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think baron Odor is sitting down and listening to the english dub oh i don't think i think in most cases where things are dubbed it's it's i don't know if there's any creative oversight for the original creator it's normally just handed off to a, a company that deals with translations and, and dubbing exactly, and they just yeah. do it and distribute it in whatever english-speaking country that's how it works with anime at least like that I, I think there's very little they, they don't tend to care um so i wouldn't be surprised if that was the case with this as well yeah, no, I, I would agree. And to be honest with you, um, it's, it makes 100% sense because the, their creative vision is in German. So why do they care? You know, if, if you don't want to watch it in German, then, you know, yeah. they probably if just you're, think- if, you, if you're not getting their original vision, then you probably don't care enough to like actually, you know, tell whether dialogue is good or not. Yeah, exactly. So I understand it, but I'm just thinking for myself because I've got like 20, what, 20, 23 episodes to go in the dubbed version and I'm not looking yep. forward to it. Was, just, um, yeah. was Egon's voice uh, gravelly, at least, lovely and gravelly as, as it was in, in German or, or not no. so much? No. no. And did he, I was thinking about this. Uh, 1986. In the, oh God. Um, in, the, in the scene where he, he confronts Ulrich, um, did it cut back to his German actor's voice for the bit where he reads the song lyrics in English? No. I was thinking about that and I was wondering whether they'd do it and I thought it'd be really funny if they did. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. What are you listening to? My only aim is... To- <laughs> <laughs> the one bit of good acting in the whole show or a good bit of voice acting in the whole show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, they didn't do that. Uh, which is, okay, I, that's a shame. It's funny that you thought of that because in my mind, I was thinking to myself, oh, when they get to that part, are they going to, are they going to change the language of the song into German? 
oh that'd be so funny if they did like he walks in and just and and says yeah or they get uh get uh, egon's voice actor in again to do the line in german <laughs> that'll be fantastic do a double the double the english actor <laughs> yeah exactly a stranger from the outside this week we had a lot of youtube questions for conrad so thank you very much if you want to leave a question for episode four i'll be pinning my uh my own comment at the top so just make a question under there if someone makes a uh, puts a question down not underneath mine i probably am gonna miss it i'm i apologize if someone's done it i'll try and look for it next week if i if but this week i forgot i only looked under the comment i made that's just how it goes unfortunately so um there's a few questions here there's a couple of them that maybe we've touched upon and if we have i'm still going to give the person sort of the, the respect and read the comment the question out and then we can just decide whether or not we've covered that or not Maybe we can okay. elaborate a little bit. But uh, so the first one is uh, a couple of questions here from someone called Legit. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Legit. <laughs> legit. Um, so they said, uh, now that past and present are somehow kind of aligned, and I think they mean by like, you know, the parallel aspect of what we were talking about. Yeah. What are your expectations on how time and space really works in this series? um so uh, yeah i think it it's kind of what i've i've mentioned previously but they seem to be running parallel to one another so i i think you can kind of step between times if you find the door uh in the in this this kind of version of time travel um which is going to lead i'm really hoping it leads to some like fantastic chase sequences like a sort of benny hill show where <laughs> like you're running through different doors and it's like oh we're in the 20s and then and then like you're under another door and it's like oh we're, well, yeah. now we're in ancient rome <laughs> yeah i really i like um, yeah someone runs through one door and you don't actually see where they go but they come back out and they're wearing like an egyptian headdress and <laughs> that's that's what i that's what i want from this show yeah well you won't you won't be disappointed uh, oh, fantastic Okay, so um, also legit had a second sort of point that they made. So just they wanted to also add some appreciation to the end of the episode montages because you'll, yeah. you'll notice that, that does sort of become a, a mainstay as a way to decompress through the episode. Uh, we've already sort of covered this bit, but your general, your, maybe just one or two sentences, what were your general thoughts about the uh, end of episode montage. montage this time? So I think it's really interesting that they use montage, to be honest, because it's like montage editing it, it's not that it's gone out of fashion, but it's viewed as a bit cheesy in a lot of highbrow stuff now to have mm -hmm. a, to, it's like the kind of the, the, the fair of Rocky movies and rom-coms to have like a, an upbeat uh, montage set to music. Yeah. But, uh, and this is, I, I really appreciate the fact that they're kind of reclaiming montage as something that you can actually do a lot of really, really good dramatic work with. Mm -hmm. um, obviously like song choice is, is really, really strong. Like there's a really kind of consistent, uh, tone and sound to a lot of the a lot of the score and a lot of the licensed music in this which which helps the montages but it's also just just the acting in them and what they choose to show um you know they're not that i, I suppose they're not that dynamic in terms of what the camera's doing and they, they can't be because they're using stuff like split screen um which would get a bit disorienting if it was if the camera was moving while it was doing it but it's it's just letting the actors do do some acting which i really appreciate and they're, they're yeah they're both they've both been fantastic i hope it comes back again and again to be honest because the the did you say his uh, baron bon oh, i can't remember the director's baron, name baron bo odor baron bo odor okay so he directed every single episode yeah, uh -huh. of this so hopefully it will it will come back um uh, periodically because he's clearly very good at directing them 
Yeah, and uh, just to add to your point about the montages being reclaimed, I think a lot of the work for montages being reclaimed was also done in Breaking Bad. So Breaking Bad obviously always had a yeah. really cool montage. It wasn't a, a very different style to this uh, Dark's montages. It was much more upbeat. It was all about the cooking of the meth and stuff. But they all, they also reclaimed that a bit as well. Yeah, de- I mean, there definitely are there definitely are still things that are using montage well mm-hmm. and and not just using it like a rom-com not to say there's anything wrong with a rom-com montage but it's it that's kind of what it's what it's been relegated to as a uh, as an editing technique yeah. but yeah this just really struck me and the split screen as well is something you don't see a lot in in anything really so it's it, i think the last time i saw that was probably like 24 so, yeah. <laughs> so it's been a while yeah that's cool uh right next question uh, there's a few questions here from Donnie Stutz. And I will say the first question they ask, it seems to be uh, that they asked these questions before they listened to the second episode of our podcast, which is fine because okay. I, I, said, I said get them in um, get them in early unless, in case you forget. So that's absolutely fine. But the first one, I think you've answered a number of times. And that's who, who did you think that the stranger's identity was? Oh, yeah. So I stand by future Mickle. Oh well, I guess past Mickle, it, it's it's grown up Mickle. That's the, like I'm sticking <laughs> with that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. So, this is an interesting question. How do you think uh, the Mads and Mickle's disappearances are connected, if at all? Yeah. So I was kind of racking my brain on this because Mads disappearing. If it's if it's nefarious, so where I am at the moment, I, at the end of the last episode, I was I was thinking, okay, someone is deliberately sending these children back in time so that scientists in the eighties can try to send them forward in time. Because once you have that two-way time travel thing going, you then have complete control of time and you can get into all kinds of hijinks. And I thought it was like some government conspiracy. But the fact that Mikkel isn't immediately like, oh, some guy kidnapped me and took me back in time, makes me think it's a little bit more. Um, nebulous i guess than that like it's just something is happening and i think mm-hmm. whatever something happened to mickle which perhaps wasn't as directly malicious as i initially thought it was also happened to mads and maybe sent him either forward in time or sent him to another timeline that we that we yet to see i'd, I'd be surprised if, if at least in this first series if they introduced another timeline but mm-hmm. The way they've kind of set up those parallel concurrent timelines, they really, like I was saying before, it's so fluid and dynamic that you could add as many as you wanted, I guess. And it, and all, and I did notice actually at the beginning of the first episode, they do have the pictures of a lot of the characters from when they were kids in the, um, in the I guess it would be like the 50s or 60s, like a lot mm. of black and white photos. So maybe that's another time that we go to at some point. Okay, interesting. And that's what um, that is. Yeah, uh, you've also answered this a little bit before about like the octoconia and stuff. But what do you think about the dead animals? What's with, what's up with all these dead animals, as Donnie puts it? Yeah, so I, I think I still think there's when when the t- the crossing happens, something consumes a huge amount of power or creates a massive shock wave that is killing all these animals and like causing the birds to f- fall out of the sky. Um, so it's like that's where. I, I think there's 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 some kind of like rip in the space time continuum, and that just and the pressure from that just kills all the animals around it when it happens. Okay, cool. Uh, and last one from Donny. Uh, I like this question because it sort of is trying to get to know you a little bit better. Oh, Lastly, if you walked out of a cave and realized you had time traveled to the eighties, what's the first thing you're doing? Um, I would immediately go and buy shares in Apple. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my first thing i would i would i would literally i would 
do the sports almanac thing from Back to the Future 2, except rather than betting on sports results, which is an awful way of going about yeah. <laughs> about making money, I would go and just like grab future uh, past me or in fact just uh, i would just invest yeah uh, under my name um in like and all kinds of stocks <laughs> that i knew were going to succeed and then i'd probably just go and buy some sweet high tops yeah and then just head back and enjoy just head back just pop back to the present and be a billionaire yeah and then like all over the news uh, massive shareholder of all these companies yeah. randomly <laughs> like, appears at the age of 30 yeah kick king of the world conrad yeah. <laughs> appears at age 30 yeah, yeah. <laughs> second coming question mark um yeah fantastic that's probably well what, what i'd probably do is probably similar um i i i definitely would be investing in something uh yeah. of course you would i'd have to be something different than you because otherwise it gets suspicious you know um, just don't invest in like um uh like well rubik's cubes for one <laughs> don't don't invest in toys or oh, you know what i would do i would like file the patent for an, the ipod <laughs> i think you have to have like a working model to file a patent you take can't just one, be like take one back with me <laughs> you can't just okay fair enough yeah but like you you, you can't just be like there's going to be a thing in 30 years called mp3 players and i want that that's mine <laughs> Well, I'd be like Michelangelo, you know, he designed the helicopter. That's what I, I would, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Designed in inverted commas. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Thanks, Donnie. Uh, next question comes from Shade of the Evening. And I wanted oh. to say one, one thing. Shade of the Evening, uh, she does uh, live streams where she discusses the dunk and egg stories from the A Song of Ice and Fire universe, which I know you're a fan of, Conrad. Yes, yeah. I've never actually read the Dunkin' Egg uh, stuff, um, to be honest, but I am aware of it, and that sounds very interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, so Dunkin' Egg is fantastic. So uh, she does live streams every Tuesday, I imagine. So if that's something you're interested in, give it a check out. I checked it out for you, and it seems like great stuff. So she asks, um, what are your thoughts on The Stranger? Already done. Uh, Future Mickle. <laughs> Future Mickle, apparently. <laughs> um, and then also, just a, a separate question. What do you think uh, of the of Nurse Enos and Hannah's roles in the story so far? Um, so Nurse Enos, I'd like she was the probably no probably my favourite character in this. Mickle was a close second, but Nurse Enos was amazing in this. Like she just seemed so lovely and so empathetic and caring, and it immediately made me think very kindly of her in the future. So Hannah we've seen i've seen less redeeming qualities from hannah thus far not to say she doesn't have them but i haven't seen them yet so whatever's happened between enos and hannah i think is mainly hannah's fault <laughs> so i i, I think i and bet what we know about hannah and michael's relationship i'm gonna say that hannah was cheating on michael before he killed himself and enos found out about it and that that caused some kind of split between them um that's that's what my gut is telling me at the moment um but uh yeah i i just i can't see enos unless she really turned into a horrible person in later life i can't really see how they've set up that character to be anything yeah, yeah. other than uh, than a good guy yeah that's cool um I would, I would tend to agree with you and one more which i've just missed there a smaller one from shade of the evening is your thoughts on the caves now we've touched upon this so you could just be a couple of sentences would would do it the importance of the caves um so i think that's uh, it's hard because there's definitely something going on in random places that's that's killing all the animals and that's that to me seems like it's going to be oh there's just a random door opens up in in like 
the, the air that you can walk through and end up in the 80s. But it's clear that the caves is where this kind of thin place or crossing between times is because Michael has referenced it and Ulrich and Mikkel could hear each other. So I think there's got to be a, a kind of space down there where you can walk between times and it's got to be behind that door. I, I, mean, I think it has to be. And are your feelings towards that in terms of what it looks like, I suppose, similar to sort of the thin place that would be in like his dark materials? Um, I, I don't think it necessarily looks like anything. Okay. I, I, I think it's, 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 you walk through and, oh, well, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, th so they were kind of, they're like, Ulrich and Mikkel were kind of looking at, e at each other. So I wonder if it's just like mirrored. So like the intro to the series, like you kind of step through and there's like a mirror image of where you were before, only you're now in the 80s. But there's no clear sort of divide or there's not i don't think there's going to be like a shimmering portal that you step through i think it's going to be a lot more subtle than that yeah and it doesn't have to make it doesn't have to necessarily make physical sense if you know what i yeah. mean yeah, yeah okay. definitely cool okay uh thanks shade of the evening next and last question from jane Choi. uh first off jane says please give my biggest kudos to conrad He's already so much further ahead of me, at least at this point of the show, when I was still trying to make sense of who's who and what year we're looking at. Um, I think you were also having a bit of an issue with that earlier on, which we said. But uh, yeah, that's a uh, good big kudos to you, Conrad. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. I mean, I, I will say that I, all these like predictions I'm making are going to set me up for a massive fall fairly soon, I think. But um, So the question. How, and I, this is a really good question, actually. How far do you think that Mikkel's parents are willing to go to get him back? Uh, Ulrich is going to end up in the 80s. I'm sure he is. He has, he has to end up in the 80s. And then there's going to be like um, uh, one of those, you know, when um, someone comes across a clone of themselves and they're not sure if it's a mirror or not, and they do like the move the one hand and the clone, and the clone moves the hand as well, and then yeah, they yeah, move yeah. the other hand. <laughs> like, and it's clearly not a mirror, but they pretend it is. I think yeah. he's going to do that. He's going to do that with Pastel Rick at some point. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's going to be kind of like an 80s comedy. Um, but yeah, I, I think already, I, I, Katerina seems, from what we've seen of her so far, she seems less proactive in finding uh mickle than Ulrich is which i think is because Ulrich doesn't like feeling helpless um mm -hmm. so he's kind of lashing out in des and, and kind of acting out of desperation but i think he will go through without a warrant and he will disappear into the 80s as well um and he'll be the one maybe who has to try and help mickle get back to his present time or find mickle in his pre in, in the present time awesome thanks very much jane uh great question so if you have any questions guys make sure you leave them in the youtube comments underneath mine and then we'll get them to conrad about episode four next week okay so that's this episode done i don't have anything else i really want to talk about conrad do you uh George, just yeah thanks everyone for your questions and uh, yeah i'm really enjoying the show so thanks for watching along or listening along with me yeah that's great and i and i am enjoying this a hell of a lot because Something that has given me very much joy over the last few years is showing my friends and my family Dark. Um, there hasn't really been a TV show before, which I've been able to introduce to people who absolutely love it as much as I do. So it's sort of a really cool thing to do. And uh, I'm just glad that I'm able to do this. So thanks very much for watching. Um, as I say, we're going to try and see if we can get this on audio podcast apps at some point in the future. So if that's a better way for you to listen then that's fantastic we'll be doing that hopefully uh 
make sure you subscribe to the channel for TV analysis and film analysis from myself, Anthony James, and also to catch the podcast with Conrad every Monday. Uh, also, was there anything else I needed to add? I don't think there was. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, so I think we're just going to have to say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>